In this final episode of our true crime series, we want to investigate the most notorious criminal and crime of all time. But before we get to today's episode, I want to thank those of you who support Time of Grace by engaging with the many different kinds of Bible content we offer, by telling your friends and relatives about Time of Grace, and by financially supporting the work we do. Thank you from all of us at Time of Grace. The Bible is incredibly interconnected with threads that run through it from beginning to end. In this podcast, I will uncover these threads, help you dig deeper into God's truth, and inspire you to live your life with greater confidence and joy. Welcome to Bible Threads with me, Dr. Bruce Becker. In the very first episode of True Crime's Bible Edition, we investigated the crime that Cain committed against his brother Abel. In that episode, I mentioned that Cain's murder of Abel was the very first crime committed against someone who was created in the image of God. What I said in that episode was not entirely accurate. To be precise, there was one crime committed prior to Cain's murder of his brother Abel. And this crime was also a crime of murder. And the victims of that very first crime were our first parents, Adam and Eve. You see, during Jesus' three-year ministry, he referred to the, this crime against Adam and Eve in a conversation he had with a group of Jews who were rather hostile to him. This was a group of people who wanted to kill Jesus. Here's the conversation in which Jesus revealed the very first crime ever committed. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me, because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? 
because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. The devil, Jesus said, was a murderer from the beginning. For it was the devil who was instrumental in causing the death of Adam and Eve with the lies that he told them. God had told Adam that he and his bride could eat the fruit from any tree in the Garden of Eden except for one, that being the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis chapter 2, we learn, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from the tree, from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. When Adam and Eve listened to the devil's lies and ate from the forbidden tree, the grim reaper showed up in their lives. In today's episode, we want to focus on the victims of the devil's murderous crime. We want to consider the enormous consequences of this crime for our first parents, for their descendants, and for all of creation. And in this episode, we won't focus on the perpetrator of the crime, namely the devil. And here's why. Just let me give you a sneak peek into our next Bible Threads podcast series. It will be called War Zone. And in this series, we'll explore the lies of the devil, his sinister tactics, and his devious attacks on those created in the image of God. Those attacks occurred throughout the Bible and continue in our lives today. And with every episode in this series, we'll discover how to put on the full armor of God to take our stand against the evil one. War zone. You won't want to miss it. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. That disobedience led to death, although not immediately. Adam and Eve would live for many, many years. And during those years, they experienced additional consequences for their disobedience. For example, work would become a chore for Adam. Childbirth painful for Eve and they both would experience strained family relationships. Life in general would be filled with disappointment, frustration, sadness, and grief. And at the end of a less than wonderful life, death would arrive to deliver a final blow. The Bible has much to say about disobedience that leads to death. In the Bible, there are teachings and warnings about disobedience and death as well as stories of people who experience death, even immediate death in some cases, because of their disobedience. But there are also examples of forgiveness for disobedience and hope in the face of death. On the pages of God's Word, there is comfort for those who face their own death or for those who have lost a loved one to death. Disobedience and death are threads woven throughout the Bible. But before we talk about disobedience that leads to death, we should first talk about life. Life as God designed it at creation. God designed life to be perfect, holy, godly, and eternal. 
That kind of life is what Adam and Eve had and then lost when they listened to the devil's lies and disobeyed God. That's why the crime committed by the devil against Adam and Eve is so tragic. Perfect life was a casualty when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. But have you ever wondered why God created life in the first place? And why did he create vast galaxies in the universe that don't support life, but then created one planet, the third rock from the sun, that does? Well, to answer these questions about God's creating activity and breathing life into our planet, we simply turn to the Word of our God. Let's start with the universe. The Bible reveals at least three reasons why God created the universe. One of the reasons is that he did it for himself. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Christians living in Colossae, described God's reason this way. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things in this universe were created by God and for God. In his letter to the Christians living in Rome, the Apostle Paul wrote, as, as part of a doxology, For from him and through him and for him are all things. So one reason God created the universe was that he did it for himself, because he wanted to. Another reason God created the universe was for his own glory. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah wrote, Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. The Apostle John recorded in the book of Revelation, saw a vision of 24 elders bowing down before the throne of God, and they were saying, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So a second reason God created the universe was so that his creation would proclaim his glory. A third reason was to make known his power and wisdom. The psalmist King David wrote in Psalm 9, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Have you ever witnessed the nighttime skies, especially when you are far, far away from the lights of a city? I've experienced this in the north woods of Wisconsin and in the Fraser Valley of the Colorado Rockies. When you get away from the lights of a city, the view of the stars is incredible. And knowing that these stars are light years away, it creates a sense of awesome wonder for God's creation of the universe. Or consider what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians living in the city of Ephesus. He said, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. 
Although I am less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God's creation reveals his power and his wisdom, not only to those of us living on planet Earth, but also to the supernatural beings in the heavenly realms, angels and demons, and yes, the devil himself. What's clear from what the Bible tells us is that there is no reason God created the universe other than he created it by himself and for himself. In addition to the creation of the universe, God also created life. So why did God create life on this planet we call Earth? Don't you find it amazing that in the whole cosmos, God designed one planet on which he created plant life, animal life, and human life. He created a sun in our galaxy to sustain life on our planet. He positioned our planet so that the temperature wouldn't be too hot, like the planet Mercury, or too cold, like the planet Jupiter. Then he tipped our planet on an axis so we would have four seasons, giving us seed time and harvest time. He created an atmosphere around the planet so that life could exist. He created water, which is essential for life. And isn't it amazing that the human body is made up of 60% of water? God also created plants for food and for medicine. He created the perfect ecosystem, a community of living organisms that interact with each other and the environment around them. This God-designed ecosystem supports all life on Earth. It's just amazing when you think about it. But there's more. After God created the land and water, the sun, moon, and stars, and the plants and the animals, he created the crown of his creation, human beings, Adam and then Eve. And the most remarkable aspect of this final creating activity was that he created them in his own image. Being created in the image of God meant that human beings resembled God, not in a physical sense because God is a spirit, but in a qualitative sense. Adam and Eve were designed by God to re reflect his qualities, to live forever, to rule over all of God's creation, and to enjoy a special relationship with the Creator. And we can think of this special relationship from three different perspectives, morally, mentally, and relationally. Morally, Adam and Eve were created holy, perfect, righteous, just like God. Mentally, Adam and Eve were created with the ability to think, to reason, and to make choices. And relationally, Adam and Eve were designed to live in perfect harmony with God and each other. The God of heaven and earth is a three-in-one God. One God, yet three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. 
And just as the three persons of the Trinity are in perfect harmony with each other, so human beings were created to be in perfect harmony with God. The life God created was perfect. That perfect life is what Adam and Eve lost when they chose to disobey God's command that they not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The devil lied to them about that tree and caused their death. Their disobedience dramatically affected who they were, and it damaged their relationship with God who had made them in his image. How the image of God was affected is from both a wider perspective or a narrower perspective. From a wider perspective, Adam and Eve didn't lose every aspect of being created in the image of God. For example, even after their disobedience, Adam and Eve still retained the ability to think, to make rational choices, to know the difference between right and wrong, and to rule over creation. Yet from a narrower perspective, Adam and Eve lost the image of God in regards to perfection, holiness, and enjoying a harmonious relationship with their Creator. The result of their disobedience meant living in a world of divisiveness, deterioration, destruction, and ultimately death. And it wasn't just Adam and Eve who experienced the consequences of their disobedience. All of their descendants have experienced the same sad state of affairs, including you and me. Have you ever heard someone say, if God is a loving God, why does he allow so many bad things to happen in this world? I've heard people say that, and I wouldn't be surprised if you have too. It's a question most often asked by people who are skeptical about God. But even Christians will sometimes ask a version of that question. Now, do you know who is credited for being the first to ask that question? It was a man by the name of Epicurus. Epicurus lived about 300 years before Jesus was born. He was a Greek philosopher who was quoted as asking, If God is both almighty and perfectly good, why is there evil in the world? Epicurus actually had a longer version in which he addressed this problem of evil in the world. It's called the Epicurean Paradox, also known as the Riddle of Epicurus. And here's the riddle. God either wishes to take away evils and is unable, or he is able and is unwilling, or he is neither willing nor able, or he is both willing and able. If he is willing and is unable, he is feeble, which is not in accordance with the character of God. If he is able and unwilling, he is envious, which is equally at variance with God. If he is neither willing nor able, he is both envious and feeble and therefore not God. If he is both willing and able, which alone is suitable to God, from what source, then, are evils? Or why does he not remove them? There's no doubt that there is much evil in the world. 
I imagine that you could sit down and jot down dozens of examples of evil that's occurring right now in our own country and around the globe. So who's responsible for it? God? Hardly. God created a perfect universe and perfect life. It was the devil who led our first parents to disobey God. And ever since, we have had evil in our world, evil thoughts turned into evil actions carried out by evil people. But there's some good news. The same God whose creation was perfect provided a perfect remedy to Adam and Eve's disobedience. The remedy was provided by God's own Son, who came to planet Earth to live the perfect life we couldn't live. And he endured God's righteous anger for the world's disobedience. On a cross outside of Jerusalem, Jesus was forsaken by his Heavenly Father, so that in the end, we could receive forgiveness of sins and a restored relationship with our God. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Christians living in Ephesus, talked about both our original condition because of disobedience and our new relationship with our God because of Jesus. This is what he wrote. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It was God's Son, Jesus, who came to this earth to restore the image of God in all who believe in him. He did it because he loves us and because he wants to have an eternal relationship and life with us. True Crimes, Bible Edition 2. In some of the criminal cases we've investigated, the crimes resulted in God's punishment in other cases, the crimes resulted in God's mercy and grace. And with all crimes committed, repentance is needed and forgiveness is sought. As I mentioned earlier, this final episode in this series serves as a bridge to our next Bible Threads podcast series. It's called Warzone. In it, we'll explore the tactics of Satan and his activity across the pages of the Bible. If you have any comments or questions regarding this episode or any other, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at bruce at timeofgrace.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.